Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. To better understand why Lincoln is such a great place to have a heart attack, we go back nine years. 2013, LFR partnered with community stakeholders to initiate a comprehensive effort to improve survival from sudden out-of-hospital cardiac arrest and improve each link in the chain of survival. And we'll break that down today with the help of Lincoln Fire and Rescue, Captain Nancy Christ, LFR's public information officer. Always good to catch up with you, Nancy. How are you today? Good. How are you, Dale? Good. The best way to improve the future is to look back at the past. So LFR went back, broke down each step in the survival chain. The first step was joining the Cardiac Arrest Registry to Enhance Survival. It's called CARES. How did that help? So joining the Cardiac Arrest Registry to Enhance Survival for or, or CARES, as we're going to um, describe it uh, moving forward, provides an accurate and transparent method to measure out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Um, so using the Utstein model, the Utstein algorithm is a set of guidelines for the uniform reporting of cardiac arrest. Um, we couldn't improve until we determined where we were falling short. Until you know what you're doing, you can't improve upon it. That was a recognizable fact early on. The next focus was on dispatchers. So when focusing on dispatch, the emphasis was on prompt recognition of cardiac arrest and then timely initiation of dispatch-directed chest compressions or that hands-only CPR that you hear people reference now. Um, this is what we encourage the public to do in the event that they encounter someone that is pulseless. So in plain language, when you call dispatch, he or she on the end finds out a little bit about what's going on and they will advise, encourage, instruct as best they can over the phone, hands-only CPR, while at the same time dispatching the ambulance and the medical personnel to the rescue site. Is that yep, correct? That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's certainly not to say that they weren't already doing some of mm -hmm. that, but we really wanted to emphasize the importance of that early detection and instructing those, uh, those folks to, you know, get people on a flat surface and just begin hard and fast compressions. And it's hands only these days. All right. After dispatchers, attention turned to educating the public on the importance of bystander CPR. So efforts were turned in educating the public um, on the importance of bystander CPR. And, and as you mentioned earlier, just taking that, that hesitation out mm -hmm. by using that hands-only method, hard, fast. Um, we invested in billboard advertisement um, on that hands-only CPR, and our providers really began to educate people in mass gatherings. In other words, you know, when we were out and about doing public education events, we were talking about that hands-only CPR and the importance of learning CPR to those mass audiences. One example is uh, the trunk or treat that LPD holds every year um, around Halloween. 
um, a, a few years ago, pre-COVID, um, we did demonstrations of how to do CPR. So you think of that audience, that's, you know, that gathers about 10,000 people throughout the, the several days that, that it occurs. And we had CPR stations. So we had kiddos, we had moms, dads, everybody practicing what it feels like to do good, hard CPR. Pulse Point is big. Tom Cassidy was police chief when that kicked into the city, and it was amazing how quickly the public picked up on the concept of Pulse Point, the app on your phone. So <clears throat> Bystander CPR and the app Pulse Point was launched in our community. And that Pulse Point, if you haven't ever uh, looked into that Pulse Point app, it's an app that, that's free that you put on your phone and it will actually alert you in the event that you're in a certain vicinity of somebody in need of CPR. So, I mean, it's a great thing. Um, I know that when we launched, um, people went crazy and, mm -hmm. and, and really downloaded that app. I know back in 2017, our numbers were at like 13,000 and that was just a, you know, a, a quick snapshot. I don't know for sure where we are now. As a matter of fact, I reached out to our rep to find out what our numbers look like now. But I encourage anybody that's listening and that doesn't have that free app on their phone to download that Pulse Point app. All right, now back to LFR itself. The focus continued to be training and improvement in pre-hospital provider high-performance CPR. So initiating the completion of a comprehensive post-event analysis of every cardiac arrest utilizing code stat data. Now you're gonna to have to educate me on that. Explain how that helps. Okay, so the, the code stat data um, includes a quality metrics such as our chest compression fraction or the number of chest compressions that we're delivering, the number of chest compression pauses greater than 10 seconds, um, the single longest compression pause, and then uh, the ventilation rate during the cardiac arrest. So at the end of a cardiac arrest, that data would be put into that um, code stat, and then the EMS supervisor would correlate all of that, all of that data, come up with a, a sheet of, of basically all of those metrics and send those out to every individual that was on that call. And what that did was, um, you know, I, I recall getting those those pieces of paper um, in the mail and looking at it and thinking, oh gosh, we can do better. <laughs> you know, it was it was humbling um, because you know you come out of those and you think, gosh, you know, I did a, I did a really good job. We delivered the patient uh, with a pulse, and but then you get that data back and you realize, gosh, you know, there's always areas of improvement. There's always places that we can do better. So. Getting that feedback almost instant, it was usually within 24 hours, we would get that feedback and then apply it. I want to repeat this again. I don't want this to be lost on our, on our listeners. So every compression, the amount of time, the gap between compressions, all of that data was compiled and then sent out to EMTs and paramedics that made a call. So during these evaluations, during the, these code stat evaluations, um, it was recognized that we had a significant pause in moving patients for transport. In other words, packaging them and taking them out of um, their home or, or the public place and moving them to our medic unit, we had significant pauses in those compression rates. Um, so that 
caused a, a protocol change, which directed us to remain on scene during resuscitation efforts. So in other words, we stayed there and continued to run that cardiac arrest call right there on scene, rather than interrupting that rhythm and losing that prime, if you will, on the pump um, by stopping those compressions, um, we stayed there until resuscitation. That is amazing. Paramedics pull up, they start their CPR, they realize that the time it takes to get from where the patient is outside to the ambulance was a point of improvement. And so the recommendation was to stay on scene, continue the CPR until it got to a safer point. Did the Lucas device help mitigate some of that? So it was at about that same transition that we recognized that, you know, not only for the continuation of those nice, deep, hard compressions, we also needed to keep our providers safe. So, and what I mean by that is once we would transition into the medic unit, when we were doing our own physical compressions, we had to hang on, you know, hang on to the top of the medic unit and continue to hover over the patient and do compressions. Obviously that created some safety issues for us. So we did, we started looking at the Lucas mechanical compression device and we've been using it ever since. And I know that that's kind of an industry standard now. Um, Most systems are using the Lucas device. And, And it literally is a mechanical piece of equipment that that arches over the chest wall and has a a suction cup and a mechanical arm that actually compresses the chest. We use that on adults only, but um, it actually compresses the chest for us so that we can safely move that patient to the medic unit without interrupting those compressions and safely move down the road without hovering over the patient. Nancy, we're going to run out of time before we cover everything that we want, but I don't want this to be omitted, a a review of the mortality rate. I think this is very impressive because the paramedics, the EMTs, got the patient to the hospital alive, but statistics didn't stop there. You took a look at why the individual did not survive a hospital discharge. Explain to me why that was important. The out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients needed one more cog tweak and that was in hospital. Um, The continuation of that chain of survival from the shockable cardiac arrest is strongly correlated with the cardiac catheterization lab intervention, if if that makes sense. So basically these patients needed the cath lab. They needed intervention and So LFR had conversations with um, Brian Hart and Nebraska Hart and determined that we could maybe start calling those pre-hospital. In other words, alerting the cath lab from the field that we had an individual that had suffered an an acute uh, cardiac arrest with shockable rhythm, and then we could take those patients directly to the catheterization lab. And by doing that, they were able to intervene. They were able to open a vessel. Um, so, so really that was the, the, the last real cog in that chain of survival because we know that hospital care is part of that chain. And we had kind of tweaked everything on the outside. 
we needed just one more piece. And they agreed um, to, to allow us to give them a heads up on cardiac arrest patients. We started this conversation by talking about the chain of survival. We started with EMTs and paramedics. We, st- we then went to dispatchers. We talked about analyzing gaps between compressions. Uh, what is too much, what doesn't change the outcome for the patient. Now we've involved the hospitals. It's from beginning to end. All of that was analyzed, and the result is that Lincoln is in the upper echelon of departments, not only in the state but nationally, for its cardiac survival rate. That's right. Um, You know, Lincoln usually falls in, like, the top five. We always kind of talk about how um, Lincoln, Nebraska is a great place to suffer a cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. We certainly don't want you to do that, um, but 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 we are going to take good care of you in the event that that happens. So I just I want to just share a couple of, of statistics because I think that that those resonate pre-protocol change. In other words, before we went through this whole chain of survival and talked about all the things that needed to be addressed and addressed each one of those. So we did a a 16-month performance evaluation from October of 2013 to January of 2015, so about a 16-month evaluation. That Utstein survival rate was 23.8%. That Utstein is that that cardiac arrest when a person collapses with that shockable rhythm. Um, And then post-protocol change, about a 29-month evaluation, Um, from February of 2015 to June of 2017, that Utstein survival rate increased to 59.2%. More than doubled. More than doubled. And we continue to maintain that. Thank you for updating that during February, Heart Health Month. Yep. I I want to just give a shout out to our medical director, Dr. Jason Kruger, Mm -hmm. um, and our EMS supervisor, Captain Scott, we um, really, they are the kind of ahead of this train. They're the ones that have pushed this and, and really been behind the culmination of all of this data and the successes of Lincoln Fire and Rescue and the community here in Lincoln. Thanks, everybody, for being with us today on Lincoln Live.